Hello, this is Dr. Nasir Gami, and you're listening to the Gami Psychiatry Podcast. Scientific, humanistic, and not the conventional wisdom. Hi, everyone. This is Nasir Gami, and thanks for joining for this episode of our podcast. Uh, Today, I wanted to talk about attention deficit disorder, or ADD. I didn't say attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, on purpose, because I think the H is illegitimate. Uh, The patients who are thought to have ADD really are not hyperactive in the sense of having high energy levels. They, uh, as children, are unable to sit still because they can't focus or pay attention in school. Their main issue is lack of attention, inattention or problems with executive function, as they say, uh, being able to be organized, distractibility. But it's not having a high level of energy, not that they're not sleeping at night because they're so full of energy. That only happens in mania. So hyperactivity, if that means increased energy, is a symptom of mania. It happens in manic depressive illnesses, not part of ADD. So I'll insist on just using the phrase ADD for now. In today's podcast, I wanted to make a few basic claims. I'm going to just state them up front and then try to explain them briefly afterwards. Uh, They are that ADD is not a legitimate disease or a valid psychiatric diagnosis that is scientifically proven as true. This would be the same for children as adults, but especially the case in adults. So I don't think ADD is an illness, quote unquote, or disorder. I don't think it's even a legitimate diagnosis. I know that's quite a radical statement. For many people, it will generate um, strong disagreement. That doesn't mean that it doesn't capture something. It is capturing something, but I think it's being understood incorrectly and that the label is false. I think what it's capturing is that there are people that have inattention, distractibility, and executive function problems as children sometimes, and then as adults sometimes. Those, by the way, not the same people usually. Um, And uh, there are reasons for that, but it's not quote unquote ADD. So that's the first statement. The second statement is that the main treatment with the so-called stimulants, usually amphetamines, are actually harmful especially to children, biologically to the brain, uh, harmful in general, um, and in adults to the brain as well, but also to the heart. And therefore these are not benign treatments and they actually should not be given as much as, as they are. This is not to say that they are not effective. They are effective, but that's irrelevant because their benefits have nothing to do with treating an illness or disease. Amphetamines make people concentrate better whether or not they have so-called ADD or schizophrenia or depression or nothing at all. It's been proven that they improve attention in everybody and normal people as well, which is why they are abused. So the fact that people get better with amphetamines does not mean they have ADD. It actually means nothing since the uh, drugs affect everyone. This would be like saying Since everybody is affected by benzodiazepines, drugs which reduce anxiety, that's why they're abused as well. They make you feel calmer, less anxious. Since that happens to everyone, then everybody must have an anxiety disorder, which obviously is untrue. 
So those are the two main uh, claims I want to make. And let me just explain uh, why I think uh, these are the case. And in the uh, notes, I will uh, link to um, a review paper that uh, we've written, which has some the references for these claims for those of you who um, are surprised by them uh, legitimately and would want to see the sources. You can find it in those references. So. Um, Let's work backwards with the discussion of amphetamines. Um, I include Ritalin, by the way, here, so-called methylphenidate, Adderall, all variations of methylphenidate. Uh, a lot of psychiatrists believe falsely that methylphenidate or Ritalin is not an amphetamine. There's no scientific evidence for this. This is a false idea that has been propagated forever without anyone ever looking into it. Um, if you look at the main textbook of pharmacology, Goodman and Gilman's Therapeutics, you will find that methylphenidate is listed as an amphetamine. It is structurally an amphetamine in its basic structure. Uh, it differs a little bit from dextroamphetamine, the other major amphetamine, in its mechanism because it has norepinephrine effects, and not just dopamine effects. But that doesn't mean it's not an amphetamine. It is. In general, amphetamines, by the way, do work by increasing dopamine activity. They increase it strongly. They directly stimulate dopamine receptors. This is the same thing cocaine does, um, but it's just a matter of potency. Cocaine does it very, very strongly. Amphetamines do it less strongly, but still uh, quite robustly. Other medications like bupropion, which by the way also is an amphetamine, it's a Welbutrin, that does the same thing, but very mildly. Um, bupropion has the same pharmacological structure is amphetamines, and therefore it is an, an amphetamine-like structure. Um, and it's not officially um, classified as one, but it is important to know that. The basic feature of all these amphetamines, bupropion, Ritalin, dextroamphetamine, methylphenidate, is that they cause weight loss, they increase sexual drive, and they increase your focus. Well, these are all quite good things, and it's perhaps not surprising that many people want to take these medications because they make them feel better and they have all these effects in completely normal persons. But uh, because our healthcare system requires that medications be given for illnesses, the way this gets played out is that uh, patients seek or clinicians give diagnoses of problems with attention, ADD, or sexual function, uh, or with weight, and then the amphetamines are prescribed for those conditions. Um, again, they are abused. Uh, about 20% of uh, college students use amphetamines. Only about one in four of them are prescribed the amphetamines. The other ones share it with each other. They use it so they can increase their focus to study. Uh, about 10 to 20% of baseball players use amphetamines. Uh, only a minority are diagnosed with ADD. Uh, actually, more and more are diagnosed with ADD these days, but in the past, Amphetamines used to be uh, laying around in bowls in, in baseball clubhouses. They were called greenies, and uh, players would just take them as needed. So um, the neurotoxicity of amphetamines has to do with the, facts, the fact that in biological studies in animals, uh, these drugs uh, lead to neuronal death. Methylphenidate, Ritalin, as well as dextroamphetamine have this effect. It's present in mice and rats. Um, and to the extent that's been studied in other mammals, it's always been present. Now you might say, well, what about humans? 
Well, it really hasn't been studied well in humans. There are a few small studies in adolescents and in some adults of short duration, that some of which find some harm and some of which don't. These are observational studies, which means that you can't draw a cause and effect conclusion because the amphetamine treatment um, was not the only thing that was different between the groups being analyzed. There are no randomized studies that look at this issue, and there are certainly no long-term studies, which is what you would need to correlate to the animal studies. So I think the fair statement is that we don't know in humans. It hasn't been proven or disproven. But if you want to conclude, well, therefore, we should just give it to humans, there's a couple problems with that. One is that you're assuming that humans are different from all animal species, which is probably not true. Uh, certainly, um, we can be different from certain animal species, but uh, not all. And the second point is that, that this uh, approach is usually not considered uh, ethical. Uh, we shouldn't assume that we should give all drugs to everybody until they're proven safe. Um, I mean, sorry, until they're proven harmful. Rather, the assumption that we usually take is that we should not give drugs um, until they're proven safe. Now, in the case of amphetamines, we have to take the opposite approach. We hand them out routinely, uh, even though they are harmful in biological studies and they haven't been proven safe on those issues in humans. And this is partly because amphetamines have been around since the 1930s and 40s, and they were essentially grandfathered onto the U.S. commercial market in the 1960s and 70s when the FDA's powers were strengthened uh, to limit medications on the market and where efficacy and safety standards were set much higher than in previous decades. Amphetamines, given their safety risks, given their harms, uh, would not meet current FDA standards to be new medications on the market uh, as it stands. Um, I mentioned cardiac toxicity in middle-aged uh, adults. There are some studies that show that amphetamines, including methylphenidate Ritalin, uh, give you a multiple-fold increased risk of sudden cardiac death. Now, these are observational studies. They're not randomized. You can't really randomize these kinds of studies for these kinds of outcomes because you would need too large of a sample and it would be ethically um, questionable to randomize patients for sudden cardiac death. Uh, so you have to live with the observational data in this case, but correctly analyzed as best as we can, there does just seem to be some real risk there. And most people don't think about these risks when they're handing out amphetamines to middle-aged individuals. Now, regarding the validity of ADD, and I, I threw doubt on that, um, there's a couple factors to take into account. Uh, one is that the mere fact that somebody has poor attention doesn't mean that they have ADD. A lot of times people will go online to these um, websites, they'll fill out these forms that ask you basically in 10 different ways, uh, do you have trouble with attention? And they'll say yes, and then they'll, be, they'll think they have ADD. This would be like uh, filling out a form which says, do you have fever 10 different ways? And then to concluding that you have a fever disorder. That's meaningless because fever happens in other illnesses. It is not an, an illness itself. It's not a disease, it's a symptom of something else. Same thing with inattention and executive function. It's not a disease or an illness, it's a symptom of something else. It happens most commonly in people with mood and anxiety conditions, people with depression, depressive illness, people with bipolar illness, manic states, and people with anxiety all have trouble with attention. Uh, attention and poor concentration is a symptom of all of those conditions. So to say that someone has ADD and 
so-called generalized anxiety disorder, which is a common combination, is like saying someone has fever and pneumonia. No, the pneumonia caused the fever. You don't also have a fever illness. And the anxiety causes the poor attention. You don't also have ADD. That combination, by the way, leads to the worst. Uh, that combination of diagnosis leads to the worst treatments where people get two addictive classes of medications, the benzodiazepines for their anxiety and the amphetamines for their ADD. And um, what's also relevant is that amphetamines actually worsen anxiety. So then the patients often need more medications for their anxiety. Um, by the way, other side effects of amphetamines are also relevant. They cause anxiety, as mentioned. They cause insomnia, and they cause mania. So when people have bipolar illness or anxiety conditions and they get misdiagnosed as also having ADD, the use of amphetamines worsens the underlying illness, causing the inattention. And then it's often claimed that uh, the ADD persists for years and years. Well, that could be because the amphetamines are worsening the cause. And this gets back to the validity of ADD again. In children, it's reported that ADD occurs in about 5% of kids, uh, more in, in boys than girls. In adults, it's reported that it occurs in about 2 to 3% of adults. In other words, it's about twice as common in children as in adults. In children, usually it's def defined as happening around, mostly around age seven to 10, although recently it's been extended into adolescence with the last DSM revision. Um, many people these days assume that if a child or an adolescent is diagnosed with ADD, they will continue to have it in adults and in, into adulthood. And amphetamines are given and continued into young adulthood and college years especially and later. In fact, when you look at prospective studies, and now there have been a number of them, often with years and decades of follow-up, when you look at those studies, 80% of the children diagnosable with ADD in those studies are not diagnosable with it as adults past age 18, 80%. And 80% of the adults who are diagnosed in those studies with ADD were not diagnosed with it when they were children. And again, this is not a matter of misdiagnosis because these are prospective studies. These are children followed into adulthood. They really did not have ADD as kids. And then they were diagnosed with it as adults. 80% of the adults did not have ADD as kids. 80% of the kids did not have ADD as adults. These are two different groups of people. And that's something that we um, don't seem to appreciate in current practice with the uh, widespread assumption that patients persist and the treatments continue. It's interesting to note, and I won't digress on this too much, that the claim that ADD persists into adulthood really started happening with the first marketed medication for adult ADD, which was atomoxetine stratera in the early 2000s. Before that time, many studies showed that ADD went away in adulthood. 90, 80 to 90% of children were no longer diagnosable with ADD by age 18 or 19. So my view is that if children have ADD-like symptoms, they certainly don't have it as adults in the majority of cases. Well, why do the children have it, you might ask? One possibility is that it's a developmental delay or it's a developmental problem that they grow out of. And there is research that supports this view. Um, another possibility is that these children actually have a mood illness or anxiety states that are causing the inattention. And those mood illnesses and anxiety states are difficult to diagnose in childhood and don't become more clear to be, for instance, bipolar illness 
or something like that until late adolescence or adulthood. What about the adults? Uh, the 80% of the adults who were diagnosed with ADD in those studies, the two to 3% in the population surveys, what do they have? Well, I hate to break it to you, but inattention is a normal personality cognitive trait. Just like height and weight and even anxiety. Anxiety is a normal personality trait. Inattention is a normal cognitive trait. We all have some inattention. It's normal to be inattentive. It's abnormal to be completely attentive to everything. And it's also uh, abnormal to be completely inattentive to everything. But selective inattention is actually quite normal. It's a normal curve in the statistical sense. Most of us have some inattention and some attention most of the time. Right now, for instance, you're not really paying a lot of attention to me on this podcast. You just started to because now you selectively started paying attention to me. But up to that point, your mind was wandering a little bit, and that's normal. It's not that I'm just not good enough at this podcast. It's that it's normal for us to pay some attention to some things and not others. When people pay too much attention to things, that actually happens in two states of pathology, obsessions and delusions. When you pay too much attention to something, you could be obsessed about it, or you can have, uh, as in the case of schizophrenia, the scenario where people have internal stimuli that they're paying too much attention to instead of ignoring, uh, which is normal to ignore them. Um, and it's perhaps not surprising that the side effects of amphetamines include, besides what I mentioned earlier, obsessive compulsive illness and psychosis. Amphetamines can cause obsessive compulsive disease and psychosis. In fact, in animal studies, amphetamines are a model of schizophrenia. So that's what happens if you have too much attention. If you have too little attention, obviously you have the problems that people worry about. Um, and that does happen in a small percentage of people. How many? Well, if you take a normal curve and you go to one to two or three standard deviations on the edge of the normal curve, statistically you get two to 5% of people. And that's exactly the prevalence rate of supposed ADD in adults. So I think ADD in adults is really just a reflection of the statistical normal curve of the extreme at one end of the curve who have low attention. It's not a disease, it's not treatable, and it's um, something that's just a biological variation like being very tall or very short. Um, so that's my summary of ADD and amphetamines for now. I know there's a lot there that uh, goes against the grain of a lot of people. Maybe I'll just add at the end that recently there uh, has been in the news this story about this digital mental health startup, Cerebral, which got into trouble with the government for essentially handing out amphetamines for people uh, who think they have ADD, mostly young people, and they were even advertising for that purpose. And there's some evidence that they may even have been pushing uh, the diagnosis and the treatment uh, in their company. Um, digital mental health is not very helpful if the quality of the psychiatric care that's being provided is poor. And in fact, the quality of psychiatric care is poor, poorer than it should be. It, it's quite low, as many of us are willing to admit in general, in person and in the routine way that psychiatric care is given these days, the quality can be quite low. And with digital mental health, you don't make it any better if you just increase access to low quality care. 
in the case of ADD and amphetamines, I think this is a major problem, both in children and adults. And I think it's an important issue that uh, we should begin to have more of an honest conversation about. Thanks for your attention. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you liked it and we'll catch you next time.